Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Cody Davidson, filling in for Ben Blakey. It is Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. I wonder if you've ever had the experience I had when I last got a new vehicle. My wife and I were getting a Subaru Outback to have something with space and four-wheel drive for our new home here in Idaho. I'd never really taken much notice of them before, but suddenly, once we knew we were getting one, they seemed to be everywhere. And this was before we moved to Idaho, where they were ubiquitous. This was back in California, where a four-wheel drive station wagon seems less appealing and popular. What had happened? Were they suddenly the go-to car for SoCal soccer moms? No. What had changed was me. Suddenly, I was looking out for Outbacks, and I was taking notice of them now. Where before they were practically invisible to me, now I was looking for them, noticing them. I bet you've experienced something similar. Suddenly seeing something everywhere when it's been drawn to your attention, where before you'd never noticed it at all, whether it be a new car or some other thing. The book of Esther, which we start today with its first three chapters, is very similar. In the entirety of the Bible, this is the only book which has not mentioned God. Not once. His name is completely absent from the book. There are no grand miracles, no seas are parted, no dead are raised, no healings are done. On the surface, it may seem as though God is completely absent in the midst of this story. And yet, when we learn to trust in God's sovereignty and his work in divine providence, suddenly this story is full to the brim with God's hand, orchestrating things just so in order to save his people. Let's look briefly at the groundwork laid in the first three chapters for the salvation of the exiles living in Persia. Ahasuerus has this massive party, meant to stoke his ego and declare his own glory, yet it nearly becomes humiliating for him when Vashti refuses his command. And yet this becomes the impetus for Queen Vashti's removal and the beginning of the search for her replacement. Esther, born Hadessa, is in the care of her uncle Mordecai, who happens to be a guard for the king. Esther, this beautiful young virgin, just so happens to find favor in the eyes of the chief eunuch Hegai, who helps prepare her and coach her on how best to please Ahasuerus and to win his affection. And she does. And Mordecai just so happens to be on duty as two men plot to kill the king, and so he's able to foil the plot and save the king's life. Each of these things will be vitally important in overcoming the plot of Haman the Agagite. And even the plotting of Haman will be reversed in the end to the glory of God and the salvation of his people. Pay attention as we read through this book, and I'm convinced that, though he is never mentioned, God will be apparent to you throughout it. May this encourage you today, though God may not be moving in obvious, profound ways in your life at the moment, nevertheless, he is working. He has promised that he will cause all things to work together for the good of every believer and for his glory. It may be that at the moment, God is working in the background, behind the scenes, but we can trust in his sovereignty and in his divine providence. His promise in Romans 8 will stand true. This brings us to our reading from the Psalms today in Psalm 97. In poetic imagery, not unlike Isaiah's vision of God's throne room in Isaiah 6, the psalmist throws open the curtain of heaven and declares the majesty of the sovereign Lord seated on his throne. The psalm begins, The Lord reigns. What an important reminder when God seems hidden in our lives. He is on the throne. We are dwelling in a world that is in chaos, it seems, with sorrow and tragedy, both great and small, seeming to increase day after day. 
And yet, looking behind this dark curtain of the world, we know that the Lord reigns. Let's look at his power as the psalmist describes it. His throne is founded on righteousness and justice. His adversaries are burnt up before him. Mountains melt like wax. Lightning shakes the earth. The heavens declare his glory. When God is speaking in a whisper and working silently behind the scenes in our lives, let us not forget that he is still this God we see in Psalm 97. Let us not forget his awesome might and his great majesty. Those who hope in other things will be put to shame, but those who hope in the Lord will be glad and rejoice. He is working providentially at all times. And he is the omnipotent creator and Lord of all. Let us worship him and trust in him. As we turn to our passage from the Gospels today, we read several short teachings of Christ, culminating the parable of the rich fool here in Luke 12. Let's begin there. Christ, answering a question about inheritance, points these two brothers in the dispute, and all of us who now hear this story, towards the fleeting nature of wealth and the importance of using what we've been given to serve God. He tells the story of a rich man who, on becoming very successful, looks to hoard his wealth to eat, drink, and be merry. And yet God confronts him as a fool, telling him that his life would be required of him that very night. All the wealth he had accumulated to himself was of no value in that moment as he stood before the Lord the mighty and awesome Lord of Psalm 97. And just as the worshipers of idols are ashamed in Psalm 97, standing before the Holy Lord, so too is this man. Jesus' application is stark and pointed. For whom are we using our treasure? Are we being rich toward God, using the things he's blessed us with to serve him and to love our neighbors? Or are we being miserly toward him, clinging to our treasure so tightly, using it only to please ourselves? I think of my Subaru Outback. Am I using it to bring people to church who need a ride, to transport things for events so that we can minister to others? Or is it simply my ride to take me where I want to go to do the things I want to do when I want to do them? Do we rightly see ourselves as stewards of the things God has given us? Or are we our own masters, eating, drinking, being merry, being fools, wasting what God has entrusted to us? Jesus' stark warning of such foolishness in this parable is sharpened by his warning earlier in the passage before to not fear those who can only kill the body, but to fear the righteous and just Lord upon his throne who has the authority to cast into hell. Even our secret selfishness, our quote-unquote hidden sins, are known to God. Our passage today in Luke chapter 12 begins with a reminder that all things will be revealed and made known. Let us make sure, therefore, that we are stewarding well what God has given us. In Luke 12 as well, verses 8 through 12, let these encourage us as we steward well what God has given us to faithfully acknowledge him before others. Let us always be ready to share the gospel. Who have you been thinking about sharing the gospel with lately, whom you haven't, for one reason or another? Who has God been putting on your heart lately that doesn't know Christ? Let the promise of the Holy Spirit's presence in you and with you, and the assurance of his equipping you, give you the confidence to share the gospel. Paul, Timothy, and Silas are great examples of this gospel confidence in our final passage today, 1 Thessalonians 2. 
As we read earlier this year in Acts chapter 17, Paul and his companions did not receive the warmest of welcomes as they came and shared the gospel in Thessalonica. In fact, the persecution was so bad, and the adversaries of the gospel so vehement, that Paul was pursued even to the nearby town of Berea by the opponents and chased away from there as he attempted to share the gospel. But Paul reminds us here in 1 Thessalonians 2 that his preaching had not been in vain. There was a faithful church in Thessalonica. Praise God that despite even violent opposition, the gospel works and saves. As we think of whom it is that God is calling us to share the gospel with this week, let us do so hopefully, courageously. The gospel was not hindered by the opposition in Thessalonica. The church there, church there was continuing, a shining lampstand. Just as we imitate Paul, Silas, and Timothy in their bold proclamation of the gospel, let us also imitate the Thessalonians in their response to Paul's preaching. When they heard the gospel, Paul writes, they received it not as the words of men, but as the words of God, which it is. Our desire with this podcast and reading plan is to help more people get in the Word and get more out of the Word. As you study the Bible today, as you, I pray, reflect on what it says, as you continue to read along through the Bible this year with us, approach it as what it truly is, the Word of God which is at work in you believers. God's Word will train us to trust in God in the midst of this chaotic world. God's Word reminds us that He is neither silent nor absent in our lives, but He has spoken to us and speaks to us each and every day in His Word. It rightly orders our priorities and shows us whom we should worship. The Bible shows us Jesus, the full revelation of the Creator of God, our Lord. May we rightly receive it as what it is, the very Word of God. And may that guide you as you read the Bible today and every day. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.